Welcome to the Week Ahead in Russia, RFERL's Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Gutterman, and my guest this week is Kadri Alik, Senior Policy Fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, Kadri, thank you very much for joining me today. Good afternoon. All right. Uh, now, we're, we're doing this podcast um, for the first time on Twitter spaces. So apologies for any, um, for any glitches. Uh, apologies in advance for any glitches. Uh, and now, uh, just to get started, this is the first edition of the podcast since Russian President Vladimir Putin launched a large-scale invasion of Ukraine. For weeks, even months, uh, my guests and I had discussed the growing threat of an invasion. And now it has happened. Russia is waging an unprovoked war against Ukraine. Still seems unbelievable, but unfortunately it's true. And the consequences are already devastating. Um, I'd like to take stock a bit of what has happened in the war uh, and where it might be going. Um, obviously hard to predict. I'd like to start uh, by quoting from an article of yours, Kadri, uh, that was published on February 25th, the day after the invasion began. Its title was quite concise, uh, War of Obsession, Why Putin is Risking Russia's Future. And you wrote that uh, Putin's growing obsession with Ukraine, um, you wrote of Putin's growing obsession with Ukraine, and you wrote that, quote, since last autumn, the key question of European security has been, uh, has concerned the balance in Putin's mind between this personal obsession and the Russian national interest which would carry the day, unquote. Well, it turned out that it was Putin's personal obsession uh, that carried the day. He is using force uh, to try to seize control of Ukraine, essentially. Now, the outcome of this war is obviously unclear. There have been signs that Russian forces have been advancing more slowly than Moscow might have expected. Uh, but there have also been fears that Russia uh, could ramp it up and has the capacity to do so. Now, I don't want uh, you... I don't want to ask you to make predictions, um, but Putin has said some things this past week that suggest his apparent obsession with Ukraine has impaired his ability, perhaps, to understand Ukraine and how it would respond, uh, how its government and people would respond to this act of, uh, I'd say, breathtaking aggression. So I want to ask, um, do you think Putin may have adjusted his goals in this war already? Or to put it in another way, is he now facing a choice between going all in and retreating? And if so, is the latter a possibility? So far, I would say Putin's rhetoric suggests it is not. Yes, I agree. I think now we really have reached the point where it is hard for President Putin to, to retreat. And I see it clearly very fast escalating to a standoff between um, Russia and NATO. Even though NATO is not involved militarily, um, but we cannot be sure that Putin sees it that way, given that NATO countries are supplying arms to Ukraine. And um, Putin is also losing an economic battlefield. If you look at uh, what's happening around Russian banks this morning, that is no good. And I never have thought that if West imposes sanctions that truly threaten Russia in manner that the 
regime might consider existential, but you know, then they will humbly suffer or retaliate by counter sanctions. They will take the battle to the battlefield that is more convenient for them. And that could well mean um, nuclear signaling, the start of which we saw yesterday when Putin instructed uh, his military to put uh, forces of deterrence to higher readiness. Um, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't want to over dramatize it, uh, but 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 that was a signal. Also, what does Putin know about the course of the war? We also don't know because I think. What the last the events of the last week have made clear is that Putin's decision-making circle is likely even narrower than we have thought. Uh, it is now, I'm re reading reports that the civilian part of the Security Council had no idea that they endorsed the war last Monday. They thought it was just about recognition. Uh, and they sincerely thought so, despite uh, the full of military preparation. Um, the notion in Moscow was that this was about coercive diplomacy. And I think also the uh, armed forces had not got proper instructions. That is, information about that is emerging now, that they don't know what's the overall goal of the force. Uh, they haven't been properly instructed exactly because Putin was conducting it in a way one would conduct a special operation. Uh, lots of secrecy, uh, clandestine preparations. So the decision, I think, was made and plans made in a very small circle. And that makes me question also about sort of what kind of feedback he gets from reality. Is that small circle, especially if they are mostly military, are they going to tell him that actually we are not doing as well as we hoped? I'm not convinced. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I just note that um, a, a few days ago, uh, early in early, a couple of days after the invasion, I guess, um, you know, Putin seemed to suggest with a comment that he, that, you know, that he didn't know what was going on, I would say, when he, when he called on the Ukrainian military to, to take power in Ukraine. Um, this was part of some of the comments that have made people wonder, you know, what he what he does know and what, how badly he may be misunderstanding things. And so, you know, I think it, it, it sort of ties into what you're saying about uh, the small circle of people that's apparently giving him information and 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 is in in on his decisions. Um, so that that's obviously created or it seems to have created problems. You, you also, I'll just comment on what you mentioned about the possibility of this kind of turning into a confrontation with NATO. You know, and, and another thing about that is that, you know, the, the, the demands that Putin made, that Russia made in December that have, have led to this or have, you know, been part, been at the heart of this, um, of this situation, obviously involved Ukraine, but also NATO. Um, he had uh, the, the demands include, you know, no further eastern eastward uh, enlargement of NATO you, to Ukraine or any other country, uh, and also um, a kind of a rollback of NATO forces um, uh, that are already in Eastern Europe. So really, kind of a uh, restoration or reestablishment of 
Moscow's control, at least to some extent, over over um, much of the area that it controlled in, in Europe in the uh, in the Cold War. So, um, you know, I think it, it does seem natural that, at least in Putin's mind, you know, it's a confrontation um, with NATO. And then the other thing I'll mention is that, you know, he did, and presumably deliberately, he when he when he ordered the um, nuclear deterrent forces on high alert. Um, you know, which is obviously a scare tactic, um, but, uh, you know, he mentioned both the sanctions, he mentioned the sanctions, and then he also said that we've heard, kind of, you know, sort of aggressive rhetoric from, from the West, so from NATO. So I think he was trying to kind of conflate those two things to keep people guessing about what, uh, you know, what he has in mind. Um, yeah. Yes. So I, I guess I'd like to go on to the second question I wanted to ask you, which is more about the domestic effects. Um, and and I, I gotta I gotta really kind of apologize maybe to, uh, but uh, this you know obviously the this war is happening in Ukraine and people are dying in Ukraine. Um, so that is at the heart of it, and that's you know the country that's that's being affected. Um, but uh, I do want to ask about um, the, the potential domestic effects of this invasion uh, inside Russia. In your article, again, one day after the invasion, so pretty prescient, I think, you wrote that, quote, uh, the invasion marked the beginning of a new era for not just the European security order, but also Russian society. Uh, the domestic system will become even more authoritarian. The government will increasingly stifle public debate, unquote. And then you went on to mention other things. Now, those two things are certainly happening. The state has already substantially increased the pressure, which was already very high, on independent voices, independent media, um, and civil society. Uh, you went on to suggest, as I understood it, that these actions will eventually backfire, writing, quote, uh, it is safe to say that Putin has planted a bomb under his personalized system of governance. Unquote. Kadri, could you expand on that a little bit for us? What, what might the effect of that uh, you know, time bomb be? Um, and, and do the events of the past few days suggest anything about the timing or when it might go off? All very good questions. Uh, I think... I should say it is helpful here to distinguish um, between sort of two ways of how to understand it. Uh, I think Putin's system of governance, as we have known it, has blown up already. Uh, you are right that you know tightening of the screws has been happening over the past couple of years, um, and you know in retrospect, some people, some things start also looking differently. I, I never understood why was it necessary for them to poison Navalny. But, you know, if now, with what we know today, if, if we now suspect that Putin may have been planning that war already back then, then it makes perfect sense. You eliminate the person who has the biggest potential to mobilize opposition on the streets. And yes, absolutely. Otherwise, in, in old circumstances, it just made no sense to me. So, um, but Putinist system has always been sort of characterized by, you know, buying society's acqui uh, acquiescence uh, 
by allowing them access to economic comfort. And what do you mean by economic comfort? You know, that, that really can fluctuate a great, great deal. The sort of minimum requirement is that salaries get paid, and not, not like in the 1990s when they didn't. Uh, but, you know, on the sort of uh, maximalist side is anything money can buy. Uh, private jets, yachts, uh, shopping trips to Paris. And I think all that is now coming to an end because many of these things will simply not be available for Russians any anymore for, for a considerable time. So uh, Putin's system has already changed. If it sort of withstands the crisis, you know, if, if Putin stays in the Kremlin, it will be a different country and different Kremlin, um, much closer to totalitarian. If so far it has been authoritarian with, you know, some pockets of some liberty here and there, I think it will be very, very different. And also the economic conditions in which people live, it is likely to be different. Because I think also the thinking in the West has changed. If earlier there was lots of sort of desire to provide off-ramps for Putin, etc., I think that has changed. I think people are willing to provide off-ramps when it comes to military standoff, because that really is getting very dangerous. But I think in terms of the future, I suspect we are seeing a change in the thinking and, uh, and the understanding taking root in the West that Putin leaving office is, is the actual solution uh, for the problems that, that we are seeing. Now, as to when might Putin leave office, that is very hard to say. Uh, you can see that Russian society, as well as Russian elite, is shocked. I don't think they knew what was coming. Also, the elites, uh, they didn't expect it any more than we did. Uh, so there have been some timid statements made by some in the expert class, some among the sort of economic actors. What does it amount to is... Uh, I'm not prepared to predict. I mean, what I see now is 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 far too little to change the course of events. But uh, you know, small things can grow sometimes, or or they can wither. We we don't know which dynamic will will take over in Russia, and we also don't know what is the thinking inside. Um, Inside, for instance, the military, special services, are these people also think that Putin has gambled the country's future in ways that are dangerous? Or do they think that Putin is doing exactly the right thing that is long overdue? And I think a lot will depend on, on the answer to, to that question, but I don't know what the correct answer is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very, very hard to predict. As, as you say, you know, uh, what's happened so far is not not a strong indicator of what will happen, but uh, things can change quickly once they start gathering force. So uh, it, it's really hard to say what's going to happen. I just note a couple of things you you mentioned. Um, uh, the idea, I guess, that that some of some of the uh, restrictive actions, like part of the clampdown, uh, poisoning Navalny, uh, that sort of thing 
does seem to make more sense. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Well, it does seem to make more sense uh, if you think that there was a plan or at least a possible plan, you know, for, for this uh, aggression, this uh, attempt to uh, control Ukraine, you know, if there was a plan for this uh, going quite far back. Um, uh, and on the other hand, you know, as, as you see, you know, I think another interesting thing is what, you know, Putin is getting information about Ukraine, presumably from a small amount of people. And, and how is he seeing what's happening in Russia? You know, is it is he also having getting the information filtered? Um, and uh, what, how what, you know that might affect things? So we will we will see, I guess, uh, going forward. And um, so uh, we are running out of time. I'll have to wrap it up there, Kadri. Uh, thanks very much for joining me. I think you've had uh, great insights here. My pleasure. All right. Um, I'll be back again next Monday. And please keep an eye out on Friday for my Week in Russia newsletter. Um, it's, you can subscribe, and it's also available on the RFVRL website. Thanks very much for listening.